Welcome to Data-Based Projections. Data is often the basis for how we see the world and how the world sees us. Understanding these data-based projections is the focus of this podcast, which discusses topics related to data analytics, machine learning, and data science. Produced and hosted by Jim Harris. Why don't more machine learning models graduate to production? In a previous episode, we defined the terms data analytics, machine learning, and data science, explaining their relationships and differences. When it comes to machine learning, although coding is involved, the algorithms are driven less by the code written by a programmer and more by the examples provided by data. In other words, machine learning is less code-driven and more data-driven which is one of the things that makes data science projects a little bit different. So everybody knows when I do data science, I don't just, boom, I'm done. Yay, I did data science today. That's just not the way it works. That's the voice of Paige Roberts, taken from a talk she gave recently related to this topic. Drop some knowledge on us, Paige. First, you got to kind of understand, okay, here's a problem that I might be able to tackle. And then you explore your data and you're like, yeah, I think the data that I need to answer this question is in here. And then you prepare the data like crazy. There's all these different steps to get the data clean and together. And then you train a model and you evaluate the model and that model sucks. And you start over again and you go all through the whole process again. And eventually you model something, you evaluate and you're like, this is it this is the model that's going to save my company a whole bunch of money or it's going to save a bunch of IT costs or whatever. This is a great model. And you're like, hey, this is great. Oh, bam, I hit a wall. Why? Well, getting that model into deployment for production is the hard part. A lot of times you have to hand it off to some data engineer who then has to rebuild everything you did. Like, oh, you did 25 steps in your data preparation. Well, I have to build a scaled pipeline for all of the data that does every one of those 25 steps before you can then put your model to work and, and have it predict out on that data. That's a big job. And it's like, oh, well, that's going to take me six months. It's like, well, I just, the model is great now. In six months, the data is going to drift. How accurate is that going to be? So you can see the problem of trying to get this into production. I can definitely relate to what Paige is describing since I'm a Python programmer. So when I typically do machine learning projects, I start out with a small amount of data, usually running it on my laptop. And I play around with the data for a while and think I've got a model that's ready to go. But obviously what works well on my laptop with a small sample of data is not usually going to generalize well when it has to deal with more realistic volumes of data. So let's go back to Paige for more on how we can address this common challenge. So what do we do? How do we fix this? Well, subsampling is a problem, obviously, that can compromise your accuracy. Everybody knows that more data even beats a better algorithm in machine learning. So the more data you have, the better. Well, why don't we work with all of your data? Well, that sounds really easy to say. We all know that this is better, but the problem is that Python and R and things like that are just not made to work with 100 petabytes of data all at once. It's just not. Whereas your MPP database is, 
And that is part of the advantage of being able to work with Python inside of a database. And the data is already there. You don't have to worry about data transformation, data type mismatches, things like that. That makes your life a lot easier. Also, the more data you have, the harder it's going to be to move. That's kind of the essence of big data. You have a lot of data, it's really difficult to move because data has gravity like planets. So it's really slow if what you're trying to do is take data and move it somewhere else and then do data science on it. Because you're fighting that data gravity, you're fighting that inertia. You have to downsample, you end up having to try and statistically sample it and then maybe having to do that multiple times, just try and get a good representative sample of your really large data set. And you basically end up with these compromises that you have to do to be able to get this done. And when you're done, you still can't put it into production. Somebody else has to rebuild it for you. So that's just not ideal. If you bring your model to the data, it's really easy because this, the database is the same in dev and test in production. That means that the place that you're doing your development is already well integrated with the ETL, with the BI tools, the ones that display your results. It's already parallelized. That's already where all the data is. You don't have to pull out samples. It's right there. And databases are really fast for doing data preparation, sorting, joining, filtering, all that sort of thing is already in there. And then the need for speed. So that's where you get that scaling architecture. So you can do the end-to-end -end data science workflow. That's the other thing. And you can do it all in one place. So yes, I can check for outliers, I can normalize my data, I can get a window on my time series data, I can match things up, join things up, I can interpolate missing values, I can find correlations, I can do all of that inside the database. I never have to move the data. And you can evaluate your model right there in the database, you have all the different, you know, your rock curve and your confusion matrix and your R-squared. You can figure out whether or not this is a good model and you can deploy it in minutes, one line of code, boom. And it goes from your dev, your test to your production cluster. And that's it. That's all you have to do. It is done. Because your environment is the same in dev and test and prod, it takes minutes to get your work into production, not months, minutes. And that's incredibly powerful. And then of course you can manage your models. You can decide, oh, this model's getting old, the accuracy is not as good. Let me retrain, replace it with a new model. All of that can be done inside the database without ever moving that giant data that has that gravity that you don't wanna have to take somewhere else. I agree with Paige and appreciate her insights. In my own experiences, I always prefer, whenever possible, to work with data where it lives. I jokingly refer to this as letting the data work from home. As opposed to taking a copy or a sample of data, moving it someplace else before I analyze it or perform other processing on it, if I can do my work where data lives, not only will I have access to more data, but the results of my efforts can be applied at scale because I did it where data lives. When it comes to machine learning, I jokingly call this 
Homeschooling Your Machine Learning Model. Before I summarize this episode's key points, here's a word from our sponsor. The promise of predictive analytics at scale with complete accuracy based on popular algorithms and machine learning techniques are still out of reach for many organizations. This is why the Vertica in-database machine learning approach is so valuable. Built-in analytics makes it easier than ever for teams to put machine learning into operation in several ways. First, models created elsewhere in PMML can be exported from a variety of popular frameworks and languages, such as Apache Spark, R, Python, and SPSS. This means that data scientists can use their favorite tools to create and manage models as easily as tables, and use those models in Vertica for prediction on very large datasets. Second, custom machine learning models created in TensorFlow and saved in TensorFlow's native graph format, including deep neural networks models, can also be imported into Vertica. Once imported, these models can be used for distributed prediction on data in Vertica, as if they were native Vertica models. Users can also leverage user-defined extensions developed in C++, Java, Python, or R to create their own analytic applications. And for teams without data scientists on staff, Vertica continues to be committed to end-to-end machine learning at scale. So, if you are a SQL user, you can take advantage of Vertica's built-in machine learning capabilities without moving data or being forced to downsample. But you also get powerful analytics with customizable algorithms and helpful guidance. So you can begin advancing your big data know-how immediately upon installation. Learn more at Vertica.com. During this episode, we pondered why machine learning models don't graduate to production. A common reason is that these data science projects start with a copy or sample of the data moved someplace else. And there they perform their data preparation, algorithm selection, model building, training, testing, and tuning. Once the model appears to be something that could be deployed to production, a chasm has to be crossed because that work has to be moved back to where the full volume data resides, many times requiring those tasks to be rebuilt at scale, especially checking to see if the model that worked on a sample can generalize to provide insights at scale. An approach that can avoid this problem is instead of bringing your data to your model, bring your model to your data. In other words, do your machine learning where your data already lives what I call letting your data work from home. If you can do your machine learning work where the data resides, you can have access to more data and be able to build a model that has a better chance of generalizing to provide insights at scale. So in other words, let your data work from home and homeschool your machine learning model. That way your machine learning model will be ready to graduate to production. Thanks for listening to Database Projections. We're available on all podcast platforms. Extended show notes for all episodes, as well as playlists of related episodes, can be found at ocdqblog.com forward slash dbp. Until next time, may the data be with you, always.